Welcome to episode 23 of the Phases of the Moon Knight podcast. This is the show where each week we will read a stack of classic Moon Knight comics, then get together and talk about the characters, villains, and stories with an eye towards how they may connect to the Disney Plus Moon Knight show. We'll also be discussing comic book history, comic reading, and other Moon Knight related news. My name's Dwayne, and with me back again for another week is my good buddy Dan. Dan, welcome. Hey, thanks, Dwayne. Coming to you, by the way, from lovely Bloomington, Minnesota. So hopefully the uh, the <laughs> microphone and everything sounds good. Here, uh, I'm at a conference, so I'm recording in a, a temporary location. So yes. we'll see how it goes. See how the hotel room acoustics work there. <laughs> exactly. Suboptimal, probably. Yes. All right. So while we wait... Just one more day for the final episode of the TV show. Dan and I are going to dive into the Avengers and a story that sets Khonshu and Moon Knight at odds with said heroes. Uh, We're also going to take a look at an annual story that sends Moon Knight through time to recover some artifacts to stop Kang the Conqueror. Uh, We're also going to talk about the passing of a comic book legend. So a lot to get to today. Let's, yep. let's start with the Moon Knight MCU news. We got a QR code again in episode five. I don't know if you saw that. The yep. outs, outside of the door with him looking at his parents' house. Uh, if you are able to grab that QR code, it'll take you to marvel.com slash Moon Knight Comics, where you can read Moon Knight Volume 1, Issue 1 from 1980. So a book we looked at Quite a while ago, actually. The beginning of the classic run. That's the Mensch Sienkiewicz first book that spawned the uh, the series one. Yeah, excellent, excellent comic books. It is. It, it was. It was great to. It was great to see that they did that, and especially with the um, unveiling of the in the memories, seeing Kanchu bestow the powers on on Mark Spector. That you, you see that in that comic book as well, so that that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's let's move on and let's talk about. There was a story in Polygon that was a bit critical of MCU and and the Moon Knight show, and less about the Moon Knight show, but more about MCU in general. Uh, the article was called "The MCU Isn't Built for a Show Like Moon Knight," and uh, the. The, the subtitle of the article was Marvel's House Style Restricts the Emotion and the Drama, Holding Back What Should Be a Daring Story for Oscar Isaac. And goes through and talks a lot about how, how MCU is kind of built for kids a lot of times and, and, uh, and, and how for, for at least the, uh, the person writing this, they didn't feel like the... Uh, they, they didn't feel like the drama or the, the what was coming out was as emotional as maybe it could or or should be which which I think is kind of interesting because I felt like I feel like I'm getting plenty of emotion and drama in in this show so far yeah I I did not like I did not like that article at all not so much because there weren't some things that that they were talking about that concerned me, but because I think they took kind of the wrong conclusion from it. You know, the, the problem we have at a certain point is that, and, and I think the way that he put it is, is, is important. 
he identified correctly that it's not that the, DC, the, the Marvel movies are intended for children. It's that they're intended or designed so they don't exclude kids. And, and I think that that is, in a lot of ways, pretty fundamental to something that used to be important in a lot of films and, and sort of broad-scale entertainment is a family could actually go to it. Right. And I like the idea that, you know, if you've got a 10-year-old kid, you can watch most of the Marvel movies. There's kind of a, a brand on there. It's always bothered me a little bit that Batman seems to span from, like, animated adventures and underpants for, you know, little kids <laughs> to right. the killing joke and some of this just ultra-dark sort of stuff where... You know, if, if somebody decided to make a, you know, like a, a kid's show based on Saw or something like that, people would have problems with that. Right. But if you read some of the Professor Pig stuff, it's pretty close to the same thing. Right. So I think Batman is one of those, they talk about him being elastic, but I think maybe it's too elastic. Marvel has decided, you know, we're going to be this broad-based entertainment. Now, where I do think that the Polygon author gets it right is that I miss really serious movies. And the problem, right. to a certain extent, is the stuff I love, all of these comic books have become so dominant that we've kind of taken over all genres and all, you know, and, and that's really what Marvel's doing. Marvel now is making sort of like action movies they're making adventure movies they're getting into horror movies and uh -huh. you know this would be the sort of movie that would i don't know be a be a merchant ivory film or something like that with meryl streep instead of whoever playing the, the marlene character right uh -huh. but now it's a superhero thing and because of that we do lose a little bit of that that broadness i do think though that if it's going to be moon knight if it's going to sit in the marvel universe I, to a certain extent, like the fact that Marvel has decided they're going to have a universe. And if they wanted to move outside that and make something that was really, you know, really dark, if they decide to do some of the really dark comics that we loved in the Moon Knight run, uh -huh. eh, that would be a weird sell, you know, because how do you then, you've got all these people, millions of people who kind of Marvel has become a product how do you rip Bushman's you face off yeah. and people not go, I did not figure that Side, was coming. Yeah, I did, didn't from, sign up for that. From I, the company that, you know, made the recent Spider-Man movie. So yeah. it's, you almost it can't is different. Put, you, you almost can't put the genie back in the bottle anymore, right? No. Because it's like, this is kind of the style. This is what the expectation is. And every new product that they put out kind of has to be in that same vein, at least at least somewhat, right? There, there's deviations there, and I, and I think we're actually seeing a pretty pretty stark deviation from from the traditional uh, MCU mm -hmm. in this because I think this is more psychological than a lot of the stuff that we would see. There's still obviously some parts of this that are are MCU. Yep. Uh, you know, humor and whatnot and that sort of thing. But but at the same time, I feel like that this is 
this still fits. It still fits in the MCU, and it still fits to me as a as a Moon Knight story. Yep, and they are. If they're going to continue having this comic boom, where we get movie after movie after movie and TV show as well and all of these, they're going to have to keep stretching boundaries. They're, you know, to find new stories to tell and new ways to tell them. I really kind of wish that Sony didn't suck as bad as they do. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. they have a perfect setup, actually, right? If Sony could actually be trusted to tell good stories, you could send the Moon Knight-type movies that were going to be, you know, like an, an actual like Charlie Houston-run Moon Knight uh-huh. over to Sony and have them produce it under a different thing and maybe, you know, change it up a little bit. But unfortunately... They have this this lead touch when it comes to movies that they just don't seem to be able yeah. to make a superhero movie that finds success. Right. Um, I didn't hate Morpheus as much as a lot of people did, but I also went in with the lowest expectations you can have for a movie, which I think sometimes helps. But it definitely was not a great movie. And I really wish that they could find a way to do that. But the MCU has developed right now a very successful, very profitable brand and I don't think, I don't think that's a problem. I mean, the fact that they're telling stories that almost everybody can go and watch is actually something we really kind of need. Right. In and it's probably one of the reasons they're dominating the multiplexes right now. Yeah. So Let, let's move on and let's talk about this other story at ComicBook.com. Moon Knight director explains why Episode Five doesn't show. And I'm, I'm purposely going to, for a moment, say that if you haven't watched episode five, stop right now. <laughs> or fast forward like two minutes or something, because there, there's a th- thing here. All right. Yeah. This, was your, this was your spoiler warning. We wanted, they wanted to know why we didn't see Randall's death. Sure. Some, some people were wondering, actually, and I love this because this speaks to the comics... Since we didn't see the death on screen, could that mean that they're going to be a twist and we'll see Randall in the finale? Dan? That would would be a twist. (laughs) That would be a twist. I mean, that would be so weird, too, because at that point, you know, they've now now sort of hung their hat on on the whole psychological condition that's caused his DID and everything. Being yes. involved with his his little brother's death, and now suddenly, surprise! I was just hiding. It's it's not going to happen. That would be a very <laughs> Randall a, thing to do. It would. It would. It would, <laughs> would be a very I Randall just, thing to do. I just really appreciated the 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 thinking behind the wanting to know the answer to that because of comic books and stuff, and I wouldn't have gotten that like th- you know four months ago, but. No. Uh, Director Mohamed Diab explains, this was shot in a way that you were not going to see what happened to the kids. Yes, I want to push you as much as we can, but we're not going to go there. But what you're going to feel through it is what you, what uh, Stephen goes through. You see what Stephen goes through. The way he yep. is stuck there. The screaming of the kids. It's such a haunting moment. And then you don't see what happens, but you see the aftermath. I love the storytelling in that moment, the cuts and what you leave and what you see. That scene is one of my favorite scenes for sure. So I, we're not going to see Randall in the finale. Well, and 
the the idea that I think if there's ever a time where you don't want to show the violence, it's when a small mm-hmm. child dies by droning. I mean, I agree. I, there's there's just no way that makes it onto not only any Disney show but just about any show, right? Right. So, right. Yeah, but I think they did handle it really well in that it was it was truly haunting. It was horrifying, uh, and it was it was really well done and well acted and and the rest. But yeah, it does. It does, though, leave the door open <laughs> at some point for someone to bring yes. back Randall. So. Yes, I just, I, I could not appreciate that more than, than seeing, you know, comic book what if distinctly in my in yep. in, in that. Thinking. Absolutely. Let's jump in and let's talk about paper comics. Sure, it's been a rough week for the comic uh, community, actually had a couple of um don't know if you've if you've seen any of it but there's a number of people who for a long time now have been sort of celebrating george perez's career because he has been diagnosed with terminal cancer recently and so there's been a number of people doing um like tributes to him and a lot of the comic companies are doing some cool things like reprinting jla avengers which a book that he uh, spent a lot of time on uh, back in the day and was sort of out of print for a long time due to the fact that Marvel and DC could not agree with each other, even if it allowed them both to make money. Right. So so that's been something that's kind of been hanging over us. And then just, I guess, two days ago now, Neil Adams died. And he was, in my mind, he's one of the greats of all time in comics. He's probably, when I was a kid, I would say Perez and Adams were my two favorite artists. And... Uh, I kind of I kind of talk about him and, and it's if Jack Kirby was like the one who started the Renaissance, it would be Neil Adams who's our Michelangelo. He's the one who basically perfected comic art in my head, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Almost every DC character and a lot of Marvel characters when I when I picture them in my head, it's a Neil Adams drawing. So this is a horrific loss. Uh, I did get to visit with him at a convention a while ago. Nice guy. Uh, really, really good uh, to kind of hang out and visit with the fans and the like. He'd continued to to be out and about at conventions. Um, and he'd t- just turned 80, but he'd been been making the rounds. It is it is really kind of one of those times where, you know, if you're my age and you've got artists you really loved from when you were a kid and they're still around, maybe it'd be a good time to send them a note. Let them know what you think, because man, it is kind of kind of crazy. We also, for those of us who do comic study stuff, had another hit this week. Uh, Scott McLeod posted that his wife, Ivy Ratavia, actually was killed in a car crash this week. So he's going through that as well. He he kind of closed comments and the like, but just uh, note kind of thinking about him and his family as well while they're going through that. So. Been uh, that's that's rough. Yeah, it's been a uh, been a bad bad time in the news everywhere, but also in the comics. So yeah, I I am not as familiar with George Perez or, or Neil Adams as as you are, but it's been something um, seeing all the articles and and the comments on social media about what he means to a lot of really 
influential artists, writers, and and that. And uh, you know, there was a very stirring uh, thread that his son posted on Twitter that I would recommend you go and, and read because yep. yeah, it, it, it was it, it was very very heart heart heartwarming to, to to read yeah and adams of course was also very into um like creator rights things mm-hmm. like that he helped the uh the guys who created superman finally get some of their uh not only get their name back on things but also to get a little bit of uh sort of money to get them along as they got older because they'd they'd essentially been frozen out by dc for a long time up until the movie came out um both these guys done a lot, and then and then obviously Scott McCloud is a uh, almost like the godfather of comic studies, so he's another big one in a different area of the uh, of the community. So, anyways, let's move on to something a little bit more cheerful, shall we? Yeah. Bring on, bring on Free Comic Book Day, Dwayne. Get us yeah. get us out of my maudlin thoughts, please. Yes. So this Saturday, May seventh, is Free Comic Book Day. It it returns to its original first Saturday in May that it has been. Uh, previously, it was not last year because of uh, all the the COVID stuff in that going on. So freecomicbookday.com. You can get a list of all the comics that are going to be available at your comic book store, local comic book store. There is a comic book store finder there as well. So if you do not have a local comic book store that you're aware of, just put in your your uh, address and they will help you find one. Uh, there's a whole bunch of comics there, and I was not sure what, what, what to look for. So I, I'm going to throw you an article from uh, Comic Book Rant that talks about five must-read uh, comics from the Free Comic Book Day. Um, so there, there's a, a bunch of different options spanning a wide variety. I was trying to get you to give me some thoughts, Dan, as to as to where I should go with this, but but there 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 is a couple that I think I'm going to definitely go for, and that I'm not quite sure where I'm going to go from from there. Uh, Excellent. Do you, want, do, do you want to hear which ones I'm going to try and get? Yeah, bring it on. What are you going for? So so there is a Avengers X-Men Judgment Day book that the description talks about there being a big event coming in 2022. Yep. And this helps lead the groundwork or set some of the groundwork for that. So I think that would be a good one. There is a Spider-Man Venom uh, book that has three different one-shot stories in it that uh, looks pretty interesting as well. Uh, you pointed out there's a barbaric, barbaric book, uh, book in here as well, which you recommended a few weeks ago. So I'm gonna I'm gonna probably grab that one, and then uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure where the fourth one's gonna be because I can get up to four at my local <laughs> comic book store. Very cool. Yeah, I, I looked through them, and there's. There's some uh, sort of like kids' books. There are some more adventurous sort of stuff. You've got humor. You've got some horror titles. There's a number of them that are a little bit more in the manga area. Really, it's a, a very cool selection, sort of sampler of different comic book types and the like. So if you've never been out to a free comic book day, by the way, it's sort of like a holiday at the comic store. A lot of times <laughs> yeah. at our store... The 
the store owner like dresses up in uh, in some sort of a costume and the like, and they've got other specials a lot of times. So it's a good time to go out, kind of stock up on some other stuff if you're if you're looking to get some comics. Essentially, a lot of times the stores use this as a chance to not only get a get a couple comic books in the hands of some people who maybe don't already have them, but to show off the rest of their store and maybe sell a few things while they're at it. So yeah. just because it's free comic book day doesn't mean you can't still buy lots of comic books. <laughs> there you go. So do you we'll have a recommendation that. that we should look for while we're at the comic book store? Well, for this week, I think I'm, I'm pretty much just thinking Adams because O'Neill, actually it's interesting. Denny O'Neill, uh, you, I think you looked at it. They had a, a memoriam for him in the books that we're reading this week from yep. a couple of years ago because he just died. And now with Adams, the O'Neill Adams Batman stories of the early 70s. I think there was one of them in 1969. And there was like 1970, 71, 72 were their big, uh, their big run. In Batman and in Detective are some of the best comic book stories ever written. And especially if you are a Moon Knight fan, the Mench Sienkiewicz run and a lot of these other sort of like urban superhero who's who's kind of more of a street level fighter that really comes directly out of the blueprint for that was was sort of created by O'Neill and Adams back in those early 70s comics if you haven't read them already they're absolutely spectacular so there's a number of collected editions of that i would not go out and buy the you know $400 originals or whatever just just yeah. just grab a reprint edition someplace but they are really good so if you can find them anywhere that's that's a spectacular option all right that sounds good let's jump in and talk about the stack for this week because we we do have we do have some comic books that we're going to talk about we do it's it is time so pretty straightforward we're going to talk about avengers 33 to 37 which is the Khonshu war with then just a little bit of a dip in 38 to talk about the, the resolution. And then we're going to go a little bit off to the side and check out Moon Knight Annual Number 1 from 2019 as well. So, about ready to get started? Yes, oh, let's, let's do this. This so, is We're going back into the Avengers waters here. So, this is the big, big heroes, big stories... Is what I what I was expecting going in. Yep. And if you remember, Moon Knight's been an Avenger a few times. He was a West Coast Avenger. He was a Secret Avenger. He was an Avenger. So I'm sure he's going to get along just fine with them again, <laughs> right? Swimmingly, it's, no doubt. It just gets worse every time. So what we have here is essentially a five-part story with a coda. It begins with Moon Knight up in the Himalayas. He's actually beating up and taking the powers of Iron Fist. We don't know why at this point. We just know that somehow he's done a heel turn and he started to beat up on another hero from the Marvel Universe. The scene then shifts to Greenwich Village, where Mr. Knight confronts and takes away the powers of Doctor Strange. Then we move on to L.A., where Mr. Knight is there as well. He steals the Hellfire-powered car of Ghost Rider Robbie Reyes. Then... Moon Knight heads off to Wakanda, and after a little bit of a talk and some banter with Black Panther, he actually manages to take him prisoner. 
Finally, in his last attack against the Avengers, and as a note, he's doing this because each time that he defeats one of these people and takes their powers, he then sort of gets cascadingly stronger and is able yeah. to then take down. So he kind of works his way up from Iron Fist <laughs> to the higher higher levels on the chain yes. as he goes. Um, but after he's after he's uh, got Black Panther, he then goes in in his last attack. He heads up to the moon. Somehow just hanging out up there, and Thor sees him, confronts him, and Moon Knight actually steals Mjolnir away from him, and then uses it to pound Thor sort of sort of in between a bunch of planets or something like this, and traps him there. Yeah. So at this point, he is the Sorcerer Supreme. He's got the Iron Fist. He has not got Black Panther's powers because he says, you'll have to take all my blood because they're in me. Right. And he's got Thor's hammer. Plus he's and driving he's, around yeah, in the, in driving the around Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider's what, what's yeah. called the Hell Charger, by the way, in case you're wondering. Oh, okay. So, I did not know that that's what that was called. That's what that's what he calls it. So just, there you go. So what do you think? I... Boom! Head explodes. Head explodes. It's a normal night in Manhattan for our this, man Moon Knight, right? This is this was such a crazy start to this because I I don't know what I was expecting, but I was not expecting uh, Moon Knight as the villain in the in this story. And I yes, I get I get that where we started with Moon Knight, he was ostensibly a villain and turned good and was like beating up on criminals and stuff well but at at this point we're still kind of learning but it's obvious he's not doing this just to be a villain right yes no he's doing it at the behest of Khonshu I I think we we get that but and he's got this idea that somehow he's got to do it to save the world yeah yeah but yeah so the whole the whole hammer of Thor thing, by the way, has become a little <laughs> bit of a joke because for a long time nobody else could pick up Thor's hammer. When right. Beta Ray Bill picked that thing up, it was a big deal, and when Cap picked it up in the Ultimate Universe, it was a big deal. Um, but as of it's, now, it seems like all sorts of people can now pick up Thor's hammer. It's a little it, bit weird. It was a huge deal in the movie too, in the uh, yes uh, in in. in Endgame, wasn't it? Yep. Or Infinity I believe, War? It was. It, well, was it, it, it got it got moved in one of them and then used in Endgame. Yeah. When did when did Cap actually use it? Was that in Endgame? I think then? that was in Endgame. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So during the big I, battle with Thanos. Yes. I because like I remember like the mm-hmm. entire crowd cheering. Yes. When Cap grabs the grabs the hammer and it's just and and so it was like. Even me, not a comic book fan at that point, was like, this is a big deal. <laughs> and yes. and so seeing, you know, Moon Knight walking around with it basically, it it seems a little And and I mean, we love the guy and we've yes. we've been reading him for a while. But if yes. there's anybody who's defined by the words unworthy, I would say it probably <laughs> is Mark Spector. Yes. Right? He's yeah. he is not a paragon in any in any way. But nonetheless, so yeah, he picks up the hammer. Actually, his his explanation for it is that the hammer is made out of Uru and that Uru is somehow the a metal made from the remnants of the very first moon and that uh-huh. somehow that gives him power over it. 
Right. But in any case, you going to take the next one here? Uh, what, uh, I, what are we doing I next? I can. We, so we learn in book 34 that Conchu is having visions of a legion of super saints led by Mephisto. Uh, I don't exactly know what... I think they're actually just maybe different Mephistos from the multiverse. Okay. That keep popping over. All they right. all look exactly the same. So I think all they're right. all... They're all Mephistos. Okay. Mephistos all the way The plan is that they're going to take over the world and, and, and bad things are going to happen. So Moon Knight heads to Las Vegas with his newfound powers from the Avengers and kills Mephisto with really no trouble whatsoever. It, yes. It's just in a, in a matter of like a page of panels, he's gone. So he's thinking this ends the threat, but Kanchu says it doesn't because there are others who could just take his place presumably one of these other multiverse versions uh we then get a look at uh moon knight talking with black panther who's being tortured by the priests of Kanshu for the spirit of the panther trying to get him to give this up and 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 that uh neither of them has any luck getting him to give up the spirit and after moon knight leaves we see black panther start to bust free from the shackles that he's been in so he's he, he, he's a man with a plan, and uh, we, we see him start to enact that plan as, as he leaves. Yeah. And, and Mephisto, by the way, and it's, it's, you might have remembered during the, I don't know if you were listening to any of the spoilers back during the WandaVision run, but it seemed like everything that happened, somebody thought it meant that Mephisto was coming. Every time <laughs> there was a fly on the wall or every time somebody said something a little odd or whatever. He's, he's been a big bad in the Marvel Universe for a long time. And uh-huh. he's not the sort of guy you just walk up to while he's like eating his steak or whatever and murder him with no problem. Mm. I, I also think this could come back to haunt him because he's the kind of guy who holds a grudge. And so if he's out there anywhere, yeah, Mark All Spector right. could uh, could have a, have made an enemy he does not want to make. But in any case, we we kind of get through that. Uh, I think that Black Panther is extremely patient about all of this. Yeah. He's just like, really, I know you've got psychological issues. You yeah. don't want to do this. You're going to have to kill me. Uh, but he's just very, very patient about the yeah. whole thing. And then... You know, Moon Knight leaves and he breaks his stuff and he beats the crap out of all the guys he needs to. And then <laughs> he goes off and does what he, but, but yeah, he is definitely somebody who's got a plan. Uh-huh. So, all right. So after that, Conchu's then sort of continuing this assault on different versions of Mephisto using the Avengers powers that he's actually now stolen away most of them from Moon Knight. Uh-huh. Uh, Spectre came in to talk to him and he's like, I'm taking all of that. The only thing that Spectre now has left is the charger. Yeah. Pretty much everything else, which means he's he's still got the Ghost Rider powers that go with it as well. Um, but Captain America, Blade, and the She-Hulk are also in there. They're off in search of Black Panther and Moon Knight. They end up attacking a train with some mummies on it from Khonshu. After def- defeating them, they find these sarcophaguses with some of the Avengers in it, like uh, Doctor Strange and Robbie and, and some of those folks. Um, only Robbie Reyes is actually responsive. Moon Knight then, with Ghost Rider's powers, actually confronts Iron Man and Captain Marvel, who are off somewhere else with this sort of spaceship. And they've got the Star Brand baby, which 
The star it's, brand actually originated back in the new universe and the like, but it's now been reincarnated into this child, and meaning that this small child is one of the most powerful beings in the universe. It's like almost a phoenix level power or something like that. And Khonshu actually wants to get the baby so that he can defeat the remaining Mephistos using the Starbrand power. But neither Tony Stark nor Carol Danvers are willing to go along with just giving up the baby to let that happen. <laughs> right. So there's a big fight. And eventually Tony um, is sort of talking to them and the like, um, or talking to Moon Knight. And, and Moon Knight's like, I need the baby to save the world. And Iron Man's sort of like, hmm, that sounds like maybe reasonable. At which point he gives yeah. the, the baby to Carol and says, I cannot be trusted with a child. Take it away someplace where I don't just give it away to the bad guys. And then she takes off and yeah. Moon Knight attempts to follow. But that was the end of that yeah. uh, of that book. Yeah, it was such... So, so I, I have lots of questions. First, first Bring it on. of all, the, the Starbrand baby thing... Yeah, was really, really weird to me without some level of context that I don't have. Um, yeah. The, okay. The history, I'll read you the first paragraph of the thing I looked up. Okay. Brandy, the star ba brand baby, was the daughter of Suzanne Selby, an unemployed pregnant worker who was recruited to work on grape harvests in the Shi'ar galaxy with her boyfriend. Eventually, Suzanne became separated from her boyfriend and was arrested by the Shi'ar Border Patrol for being a migrant worker. Sometime later, Planet Earth star brand Kevin Connor had died as Suzanne was going into labor during her transportation to the Ravenstar Maximum Security Prison Galaxy. She became the new star brand, a transformation that sent her on a path of destruction while she tried to control her new powers. Okay. This, this ended with the Avengers assisting in the delivery of Suzanne's baby, she died in childbirth, and the star brand was transferred to her baby girl. The Avengers returned with the child to Earth in order to help her control her new power and dubbed her Brandy. Okay. All right. Whatever. I, <laughs> so, I have no idea whatsoever. But Okay, it, uh, so what is, the, the other question is, what is the deal with Tony Stark here? Because he does literally almost hand the baby over to Moon Knight. And, like, is that some sort of thing with the Starbrand baby? Is no, like... I think it was just a Tony Stark's not probably a great dad. They had, they had kind of <laughs> this weird thing where it was almost like him and Carol were somehow the parents of this baby. And uh -huh. he just was, it was an indication he was not going to be a good father or something like this. I'm not sure. Well, there was, there was, like, after a little bit, we're going to get to, there. there's a discussion and then like, I thought somebody else was trying to give the, the baby to Khonshu or Moon Knight as well. And like, I, it didn't, it didn't make any sense to me as to why people were, were willing to do that, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. It is very strange. Okay. So, I, anyways, I, I'm not, I'm not going to spend too much time thinking about this. Let's absolutely insane. But yeah, the Star Brand has been around for a while from the New Universe. Okay. I will note the New Universe was an attempt by Marvel in the early '80s, mid '80s, to essentially make a new, essentially group of characters that weren't uh -huh. beholden to their old 1960s group. Okay. I I believe I have a complete collection 
of New Universe comic books. It's almost an entire long box, like 300 of them. I didn't buy them intentionally. I got them accidentally after the fact. But I have almost all of them. And some of them are okay, but they are not a great series of comics overall. They're not, they're not my favorites. Anyway, shall we continue? Yes, yes. So B- Black, Black Panther... Panther Actually, now he's free. He's going to go and confront Conchu. So he actually goes to the big pyramid in New York, um, which at this point, Conchu has actually renamed New York to... What like do you call New it? Thebes or something? Yeah. New Thebes City? New Thebes. New Thebes City or something like okay. this. And he goes there and he confronts Conchu. Conchu throws Mjolnir at him. But Black Panther, of course, is able to just catch it. And control it, because he also, obviously, <laughs> is worthy. Uh, uh-huh. Probably harder to argue that one with than Moon Knight. But right. Moon Knight then arrives and comes to the aid of Conchu, uh, allowing him to get away. And a, a long battle ensues between Black Panther and Moon Knight. And Black Panther eventually wins. Mark Spector says at that point that he needs to bleed further to continue to finish his prayer. And... Black Panther's like, you're defeated. I'm not punching you anymore. So Moon Knight just starts hitting himself in the head. Yeah. So somehow this then works because by hitting himself repeatedly in in the face, his prayer is answered. There's a huge fireball that envelops him. And then he is reborn as the Fist of the Phoenix, which makes no sense whatsoever. But essentially the Phoenix Force inhabits him so it's not like, there's no indication of why, really, but somehow or another. And the Phoenix, of course, is one of the most primal, most powerful forces in the galaxy. It's the sort of entity that inhabited Jean Grey in the X-Men back in the day. Okay. With which she destroyed like a planet of six billion people and then ended up being sentenced to death and all the rest. So Phoenix Force can do a lot like blow up planet level stuff, which is why later Moon Knight starts talking about whether he should maybe just wipe out the earth and start uh-huh. over since he is the Phoenix and all. Um, you do not trust Mark Spector with the Phoenix Force. <laughs> I, no. Again, I, I love I the guy. No, I but. had no idea really what the Phoenix Force was. Yeah. It's the Jean Grey like, when, when she was the Phoenix. Uh, essentially, that was her original powers as Marvel Girl were like psionic she could or telekinetic she could read minds and she could move objects but then at a certain point kind of almost like the the fantastic four they were out on this space shuttle thing and there was they were going to crash and she sacrificed herself to save everybody but in the process this extraterrestrial entity called the phoenix came and saved her and then yeah but it's super powerful it 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 just it made i like who is he praying to? What's happening? It like, makes no sense. I, absolutely, I don't. I don't. Absolutely get it. And, ridiculous. And like total, total transformation for him after the fact because you know he, he just completely is like a different person for for, yes. for the last issue of the of this book of this series. Yes, yes, he is. It's uh, it is it is crazier. So, all right. Let's let's get to that book. Go ahead. Yeah. What what do we got, Dwayne? In the final book, the new Fist of the Phoenix, a 
Tax Khonshu, who is attempting to take the Starbrand baby from the reunited Captain Marvel and Iron Man, who are in space somewhere. Uh, Iron Man expects a fight at that point, uh, only to be told by Moon Knight that he doesn't wish to fight with them anymore. Khonshu then returns to his pyramid in the... Runs new- away. Yeah, he runs away to, to, to New Thebes City and unleashes everything he's got left. That's like the mummies, this is, there's these werewolves, and yep. and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, but Black, Black Panther's still there, and uh, he's got nothing to do, so he starts fighting them. He, along with Cap, Blade, and She-Hulk, who show up to rescue Black Panther, basically just help, help him take out... Uh, the Khonshu's forces. And and what's really weird about this is that uh, they take these powers that Doc, you know, that Iron Fist and Doctor Strange had, and they give them to Blade and She-Hulk. Yes. So so you have Blade using the powers of the Sorcerer Supreme and Jennifer Walters becomes the Iron Hulk. They call her the Iron Hulk in this. And and they're just, yes. you know, cleaning, cleaning up, I guess. Uh, while this is happening, Moon Knight, out in space, as the Phoenix, contemplates torching the entire planet from space. This, this, is, this is why he shouldn't have these powers. Yes. But, you know, as he's doing this, suddenly we get the hand out of the rubble, around the moon and it is thor he is he he's woken up and he's calling for and catches mjolnir the the hammer correct and so thor gets up confronts and beats up moon knight and sends him firing back towards earth and actually leaves like this crater in the ground where he lands how is he alive after this? I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, at, at which point, then the Phoenix le- spirit leaves his body. So he is. I suppose that's back. it. He still had the Phoenix when he was. Yeah. 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 Right. Uh, Kanchu, as he's confronted by the basically all the rest of the Avengers team that took down his army, says that if he, a god, cannot stop what's coming for them then they have no chance. So that was, that was where the, the Age of Kanchu story uh, sort of ends. And there's, a I guess, a postscript in, in 38 uh, that, about, about what happens to Kanchu there that you're, that yep. you're going to share. Absolutely. Yeah, 38, basically, we just... It starts out with Black Panther coming to see Moon Knight. He's back... Hanging out in his Moon Knight garb, just on a on a rooftop someplace, and Black Panther essentially says, "You know, if it was up to me, you'd be in jail right now. But since you're not in jail, do you want to be an Avenger?" And <laughs> <laughs> which strikes me as being insane. Yes. Uh, but Moon Knight's nah, I'm not really much of a joiner, kind of his standard thing. So he says, "No, nope, sorry." Hops off the the rooftop and goes off on his own way. While they're talking, though, one of the things that Black Panther does tell him is that Khonshu has actually been taken and imprisoned in the Asgardian, like, prison. And so, essentially, at this point, Moon Knight is without a god, without 
that sort of patron because he is no longer on earth or free to uh, to really do anything so it's 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 just some story i i have to say it it's like it's like the last avengers story in that it is polished it is it is epic it feels epic because you have all of these avengers in there uh, but at the same time, it's just like, I, I just still, I can't get over the fact that basically Moon Knight and Kanchu were the villain in this. And it doesn't, it, it sort of undoes for me a little bit all of the work Moon Knight did as a, as a hero, trying to, to save people, trying to protect the travelers of the night. Yeah. Well, he's, he's still, and even when he was fighting Black Panther... He thought he was fighting Mephisto. So I think that that somehow or another, Conchu was actually like blinding him a little bit as to who he was actually facing and the like. So I don't know you can entirely blame him. Uh, but it wasn't a good look. We'll just agree on that. So, yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I guess if nothing else, yes. Okay, maybe that explains the, the, th- the thought process of the character in the book. But I guess I'm more questioning... The thought process of putting this character in this role in this story by the writers. So, I guess, again, you just have to read more comics. I Every guess. major hero has gone bad and nearly destroyed the planet at least a couple of times <laughs> by this point. It's really it's really not that uncommon. Okay. It okay. really isn't. That's why they kind of give each other a break. Because, yeah, I did it last week, so... It was your turn. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I mean, like, there was there was one quote that I, I loved. It's Moon Knight kind of just standing there on the moon. And he's like, today I drove a flaming car through space, searching for a star-powered super baby so I can maybe save the planet from the devil, the devil I already murdered with a, ma- a magic hammer. And you're like, that is just a paragraph of crazy. The entire thing, you know? <laughs> it's... This is this is so... a guy. Can you imagine if Bushman had been in this story? If Bushman had seen him, he'd have gone into hiding and never come out again. Because he'd be like, he's got a magic hammer and he's the phoenix, and that, uh, that would have been really scary. So anyway, yeah, this, this was is... this was weird. So the interesting thing I, I I noticed about this is we actually had four in memoriam tributes across these five books yeah it's crazy um do you do you want to talk through who who we saw in these in these stories sure so i mean we talked a little bit earlier about uh denny o'neill and he was you know he was somebody who wrote and edited at both marvel and dc for a long time he was a really really prolific writer who came in uh, in the the 60s as kind of a young gun and was one of the people who started going with sort of the same way that that Marvel was doing some more relevant and social commentary type comics. He sort of did the same thing with DC. And besides the Batman comics that he did with Neil Adams, probably the finest work maybe of both of their career was the books they did on Green Lantern. Because uh, O'Neill and Adams did about 15 Green Lantern books 
that are sort of the treasures of my collection in a lot of way. I have all the originals and and they are just absolutely beautiful to read. But he he moved around a little. He also was the guy who depowered Wonder Woman and got in all sorts of trouble, got called out by all the, the feminists in the world for depowering Wonder Woman and then tried to, to make up for it for years. But I really, see, really I a great writer. I, I seem to remember the name attached to some Moon Knight comics, though, too. Denny O'Neill was an editor on Moon Knight. And in fact, there was a... Somewhere, I think there... Even in, uh, even in the... In Memoriam, I think one of the people that he's talked about being, uh, being a mentor for is Bill Sienkiewicz. Yeah. So, yeah. So in his later career, he, he did editing. He, I don't believe he ever wrote Moon Knight. Yeah, I I I, I remember editing. Yep. Um, his name on the editor spot. Yep. But go ahead. Oh, I I was just gonna say the I I'm not familiar with the ink. Uh, the Juan inker Velasco. The, yeah. He actually was a, a Marvel inker for quite a long time. So, what were some of the Avengers books? I think, uh, evidently some Wildstorm stuff. But yeah, he he died of I think appendicitis surgery or something like that, some complications from surgery. So his was definitely not a a natural death. He was a younger guy when he when he passed away. So that was that was definitely something that was probably sudden and, and relatively traumatic for the the folks at Marvel. And then and of course we've got Chadwick Boseman. So yes, they, these came out at the time. Chadwick Boseman passed away. So it's interesting that I, I'm sure this was how this was intended, but Black Panther played a big role in this story. And then to have uh, a two-page spread uh, in memoriam for him in each book 36 and book 37, uh, it was something. I would bet those memoriams went across the entire line. Yeah. I would not be surprised, especially the Bozeman ones. Uh, yeah. Probably went across the entire line for those months. The it's even possible there were that Avengers for a while. Some of them, like in the summer and the like, they would publish two comics a month. So it's possible that they ran in all the books for a month, and there were two Avengers titles, and that's why it it has uh, the the memoriam in in twice. But yeah, part of that also is just the fact that Bozeman raised the profile of Black Panther and did such a spectacular job that yeah. the character did gain a higher prominence in the comics in those years as well because it was just, uh, there was a lot more interest in the character than there'd probably ever been after oh, yeah. I, I had no idea who that character was before I sat down in that movie and I mm -hmm. was mesmerized Yep. by his performance in that movie and that movie as a whole actually and was yes. very much looking to see uh how that character would evolve going forward only to find out the the, the tragic oh. passing and and now they're you know those powers are going to move on to yep. to someone else so uh, i just it was just weird to me seeing those uh an in memoriam tribute in pretty much every single book in this story and yep. unexpected and i i didn't notice the timing of these of this story until um you know the black panther yeah uh the till chadwick's 
in memoriam and then it was like oh wow yep so that would um, make sense yeah it's a it is it does also speak to the fact though that one thing that comics have been really good about is we you know there is a a recognition and appreciation of the artists and the writers who sort of built a lot of this stuff so there is a uh, a lot of these guys i think you know, even people like Neil Adams, he had an unbelievable career in illustration and doing a lot of other stuff that might have made him a lot more money. But when he got into his 70s, I suspect that there weren't a lot of illustration conventions where he could go out and hang out and have people talk about how much they loved his work all the time they were growing up. So there's something kind of cool about that as well. A lot of these guys were talented enough that they could have made a lot of money someplace else. Uh, and, in, and in many cases, they did still make a lot of money other places. But they kept coming back to comics because they they loved the medium and I think they, they just enjoyed kind of that interaction with people who enjoyed their art. We got anything else that we want to cover on this story or should we switch over to the Moon Knight Annual? You know, I I will just say these are... These are sort of exhausting. Just so much is happening and there's not a lot of time for really any character development or anything else. It's like a freight train just uh -huh. barging down the line and you're kind of watching it go past. And at the end, I'm just like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay, so it's not just me that felt no, like it, that. No, a lot, it's, a lot happened and so many characters and... I really, I really think I like a lot of the single character books and I like books like Moon Knight because they give you that chance to have a limited number of characters and a story that's got a little bit more grounding and it gets, it gets to be a little bit more, even if it's ridiculously violent, I want to use the, the word that's more of an intimate storytelling, even uh -huh. though it doesn't necessarily seem like that all the time with, with Moon Knight. But yeah, these were you get these were just you get, a ch you get a chance to catch your breath. I feel like in in those sort of stories, you don't in in these big Avenger story yeah. arcs because something literally cataclysmic is about to go on at any one, at any time. It feels like, yeah. and you're just sort of holding your breath from one minute to the next. Yeah, insane. Um, All right. Bring us into the annual, Dwayne. Okay. okay, so we're going to talk about Moon Knight annual number one from 2019. It's called Acts of Evil. Uh, Kang the Conqueror goes back to Egypt in 2500 BC and attempts to steal three sacred artifacts from the priests of Khonshu. There's a scarab, there's an ankh, and there's a scepter. And though he only has them for a moment before they're lost to time, it is enough to completely rewrite the history of the world in his image. Now, Moon Knight realizes that there's something off about this world and that it has changed. And Kanshu appears and tells him what has happened and Moon Knight vows to set things right. He then travels to different places at different eras, uh, things like the Silver Gulch in Utah in 1874, Germany in 1945, and others, where he confronts and battles Kang, along with other disciples of Khonshu. 
along with some other disciples of Kanchu. So he's got some Kanchu disciples with him trying to take down Kang and get these artifacts back. In the end, there's a final battle that takes place in Mesopotamia at uh, 4000 BC or BE, I think mm-hmm. it said, where the scepter is. Uh, Moon Knight and Kang fight, and during the battle, Moon Knight briefly has possession of all three of these artifacts. And after that, uh, a host of Kanshu disciples from all different time periods show up to Moon Knight's aid. Uh, they subdue Kang, and with and with a thought, literally it says, with a thought, send him elsewhere in time. Uh, Moon Knight <laughs> then travels back to the present, where things have been restored to normal. Yeah. Okay. Normal. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, normal man. being a relative term, but not the way it was when we started this story. So, yeah. uh, I, I've heard of Kang the Conqueror, and like I, he was in the Loki series, but I can't say that I really follow what you know what he is or what he's meant to. Like he he's a villain, it seems. Yep. And what what is? So it's Nathaniel Richards who is a great 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 something like that uh, descendant of Reed Richards, Fantastic Four. Oh, okay. And yeah, he's he didn't necessarily intend to turn into a supervillain, from what we've heard, because you see him in various time periods and the like. But, but yeah, he's one of the big bads of the Marvel Universe. At okay. this point, he is just flat out bad. And his whole thing is time traveling and going around and causing trouble in the time stream. So he's been around, oh man, since mid-60s sometime as a first a, a Fantastic Four villain, but then moving into Avengers and all the others and everything like that. So he is definitely somebody who... Again, Moon Knight is just fighting above his weight class over and over here because he should not really be taking <laughs> I, I, on Kang. I was going to say, this guy seems like somebody that's, you know, yeah. prize fighter, and he's like way down here at the, you know. He's, he's getting it figured out. He's starting to. And it, it's interesting, too, that they have the almost like a couple weeks ago where we had that. Um, that crazy blob creature where they they got sucked in mentally and mm-hmm. then there was the the moon knight core that sort of defeated everything we've got a kind of a moon knight core again where they all get together they've all got kind of different powers and looks but essentially it's yeah a bunch of moon knights doing their thing saving the day uh i actually really i actually really enjoyed this story because it did, did okay it it did sort of wander around and meander and it's nonsense like time travel stuff but i kind of like i kind of like number one the art i think that the art in this was really solid and then also the the story itself some of the different versions of moon knight and all that sort of thing i've got kind of a soft spot for this sort of story i probably am not to be trusted as far as whether it's (laughs) any good but uh, i also found it interesting that i think one of the first sort of Moon Knight characters that we see, uh, the outfit that they're wearing actually, to a certain extent, almost looks like it it would have impacted the design of the MCU costume. Because yeah. there's one where it's a 
someone who I think is back actually in ancient Egypt. And they've got a almost like a shield on the front of their their tunic kind of thing. Uh, and it actually reminds me a lot of, again, of the costume. I know that they talked about the uh, the one from that other series being one that was an inspiration. But I think this one also kind of looks a little bit like the the TV show one. So, nonetheless... I was going to say, I thought it was interesting that they brought back the idea of like the scarab, the Ankh, and the scepter, which yes. is which is something we haven't seen in, in, in some time. Not since Fist of Conchu has this stuff. Been yeah. Around. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so, so that was kind of, kind of interesting cool. and, 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 a, and a kind of call, a fun callback, I guess, to, to that. But I don't know. I didn't like the story was fine i my bigger issue tends to be time travel in stories in general and so i just i'm not going to defend my lack of taste on this story just as a note i I understand i like time travel stories like my children laugh because we watch time travel stories all the time i love time travel sci-fi and i mock uh, it the entire time because it's okay completely and totally that would never work and this and that and whatever, but I still enjoy it. So I suspend if, as long as you're doing that. As when long as you're doing time that, travels then. involved, and I just kind of let them do it. As long as they remain consistent to whatever their ridiculous time travel sort of standards are, as long as they're true to their own uh, rules, I'm usually just fine with it. So, All yeah. Right. But but it is it is not a great story, <laughs> but it is entertaining. I, I think okay. that's the nice thing about it too. There's there's a lot of action and some interesting concepts, and it's just very much a comic book story. Yeah, you know? No, it, it was fun to kind of turn the turn the digital page and find out where they would be next. Where you know what location and what time period and 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 what would go on, and and so that I from that point of view, it was kind of interesting. So what. Well, so, so would you recommend uh, or important reads or, or great reads of, of these? I don't know about great reads, <laughs> but I do think that moving into the stories we're going to read next week, it okay. is important to notice what happened here. And what happened here essentially is that in the last couple years, Khonshu went a little bit crazy, tried to take over the world, got himself imprisoned, and in the process, Moon Knight betrayed him and helped defeat him. So we now have a Moon Knight who is, you know, essentially the fist of a god who he has now betrayed and is estranged from. And we're going to I we're going thought about that. we're going to deal with that a little bit. Jed McKay actually like deals with that in the next series that he is now in, in depending on how they handle it, and it's early, so it'll be interesting to see how it all works out. But it's possible that this could be the beginning of sort of the fourth phase of Moon Knight, right, where mm-hmm. he actually becomes cleaved off from Khonshu and becomes a character sort of unto himself who is not bound to that Egyptian mythology as much. Gotcha. No, I um, hadn't considered that. But there you go. Again, 
this probably means that next week we'll get a new <laughs> issue of Moon Knight and Khonshu will be right back in his head again. But we'll we'll see how that all all works out. So it's I, it is interesting though. I, I, from that point of view, it's the these books take a little bit more interesting kind of context. But just just on their face value, I frankly would skip these. <laughs> I didn't I I I didn't feel like there was enough here like i i would go elsewhere to get my moon knight fix this week rather than these particular stories uh or you know possibly reading the stuff that we're going to read for next week yeah i uh i think that's a good call actually the these books you know the the avengers books are probably just way too cluttered if you're a moon knight reader it is interesting because Conchu's there, Moon Knight's a major player. I mean, Moon Knight and Conchu basically take over the Avengers for half a year. The book is almost like yeah. a Moon Knight comic, right? And the annual is fun, so it's it's certainly something worth reading if you just want to do it for that. But if you're like, hey, I'm I'm looking for the key reads, these are not it. These are not it. So this is a, so, this is sort of more like. Uh, you know, popcorn type of type of books rather than anything that that would be serious. Sure. So so does anything so does anything from this end up in the in the finale? So the only thing about this that I am that I was wondering what they were going to do with, and I don't think there's enough time because it's too cluttered to deal with the fallout from it, but. I I think that I've always been kind of of the of the opinion that Conchu is at best a questionable sort of god role model type. And in the show is he going to be proven to be up to something or has he been straight with Mark this whole time about everything? And that's that's the really big question is you know and and the other thing is does the show come out and actually at the end we find out that the hippo and the ship and Conchu are all somehow in Mark's head or does the show bake in the Egyptian you know mythology and yeah. say yeah because in you know in Marvel Conchu is is absolutely somebody who's punched Black Panther you know he is a he is not he is not theoretical in in Mark Spector's head. And there was a time in the comics, like if you read the um back at the, the Charlie Houston run, Houston kind of asked that question, you know, is he real? Or is this just something in Mark Spector's head? You know? Right. And we get a pretty definitive answer to that in these books. Yeah. So yeah, I I doubt that we're gonna see anything from that Avengers story in the finale. Unlikely. Very um, unlikely. Could we see Kang show up like he did in Loki? No, uh, I, I don't. I don't, so. I don't think this so. This is not so. that kind of show. If yeah. they if they dump in time travel in the final episode, even I even <laughs> I, a lover of time travel, is gonna just throw up my hands and go roll roll your you eyes. That's sort of this thing. is inappropriate. Okay. This okay. is inappropriate. So yeah. I think we're safe on that one. 
So I would I would say it'd be a better chance of seeing a non-Sorcerer Supreme version of Blade than there would have seen <laughs> Kang the Conqueror. So sure. We'll see what happens, right. though. Well, let's look ahead towards next next week. And actually, the next few weeks, we, we want to talk to you a little bit about what's going to be coming up as we are wrapping up the, the comic books and the TV show. Yeah, because we are... There's, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, or we are running out of track, whichever one you'd prefer to think of it as, I guess. But at this point, we are going to... Like this week, of course, we'll be back to take a look at episode six of the show. And then next week, we're going to look at the current run of Moon Knight. We are, we are up to current day at this point. So we're going to be reading Moon Knight volume nine, numbers one through ten, uh, Jed McKay run, along with Devil's Reign Moon Knight number one. There's actually only one of those. Uh, all of that stuff are books that came out sometime between last summer and last week, pretty much, right? So <laughs> yeah. there will be another Moon Knight number 11 coming out here in the near future, but it will not be out by the time we get to that show, I don't believe. I think it's actually the week after or something like that. It's, so, I think we said the 28th. Is oh, because it got delayed May. with paper problems or something, yeah. Yeah, because so, and maybe because of Free Comic Book Day and, maybe. and that sort of thing as well. So, But so next week... We're going to be doing Volume uh, 9, Number 1 through 10 on Devil's Reign Moon Knight. On the 17th of May, we're going to do a show recap. We're going to come back and talk about all six episodes of Moon Knight TV show. Kind of just give our final thoughts on that. Uh, have a little bit more time to talk about what we liked and didn't like. And, and more of a an overview of how the whole show went. The 24th. We're going to do the same thing with the comic book runs because at that point we'll be up to date and we're going to go all the way from Werewolf by Night up to Moon Knight number 10 from last month and just kind of take a look at what we liked, what we loved, what we maybe thought we weren't uh, as as uh, enamored of. But it gives us a chance to go back and kind of just uh, just get one last look at all the stuff we've been reading. We also that week will announce what we've actually finally decided that we're going to do, which we're, uh, we're finalizing kind of plans on that. And then we're going to take one week off and starting in June, the first week of June, first Tuesday in June, we will have our new show premiere, uh, which will be again coming out every Tuesday and it will be on a, a new series that will... Uh, Kind of cover, maybe a little bit differently, but in sort of the same uh, sort of the same way. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the plan. That is that is the plan. I, I think it is a great plan, and we actually really want to hear from you for our Moon Knight wrap up shows in the in the next couple of weeks. So please uh, consider sending us some questions or some comments about either the comic book run, the TV show, or both. Uh, to our email account or messages via Twitter. We'd love to uh, interject some of, some of your thoughts in into those final recap shows. So I am very much looking forward to this because I, I, it's it's been fun going through all this. But as you were talking about before it, we're we're, we're reaching the end here. It's it's kind of crazy. It's, it's cool. I'd like to, you know, kind of with everybody out there too, it's cool that we've been able to 
kind of make a plan, get started on this, have you guys come along with us, and we're actually going to uh, to finish it out and get to the end of Moon Knight, and then kind of see where things go. But kind of like Dwayne said, we really would like to hear from you. So if you haven't had a yeah. chance to send us anything yet, whether it's a note talking about what your favorite run is or questions you might have about the television show, questions you might have about some of the comics, questions you might have about creators about us, or whatever. About, uh, even about us and what we, what we think about something. I, I, would love to, I would love to answer those kinds of questions. Or, or, or get, and get your thoughts on them as well, of course. There you go. So, yeah, that, uh, but be great to hear from you. We will be uh, kind of getting all that ready and the like, and then looking forward to this. But, so the plan is there. Now it's all just time for all of us to get ready because, yeah, for, uh, for us it's Monday. For you it's Tuesday or later. Moon Knight Episode 6 is so very close. It is. It's going to be awesome. It had better be awesome. Darn it. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. All right. It's, they're they're going to stick the landing. Very cool. We want to thank you all for joining us. We'd love for you to stick around as we conclude our journey on the story of Moon Knight over these next few weeks. We'd recommend that you subscribe to the podcast on your podcast player of choice so you get each new episode as soon as it's released. If you've already subscribed, please consider leaving us a review. It will help others find the show. You can send us questions or feedback to our show via email. That is questions at phasesofthemoonnight.com. And for updates on the show, as well as other announcements or to interact with us on social media, please follow the show on Twitter. We are at phasesofmk. All right, Dan. Just have to wait a little bit longer and then we get... Episode six, and I'm actually really excited to talk about these new new books next week too, because yeah. the current run of Moon Knight is absolutely wonderful stuff, and I'm really interested to see what you think of it. So, take care. Take care, everybody. Yeah.